0: We are beginning a new series this morning, and I'll explain why in a few minutes in my introduction, but uh, we're looking in Acts. Uh, we're in the book of Acts, and that's an incredible book all by itself. Um, but we're looking at Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. That will be or we're studying, but today we're doing kind of an introduction to it, so give me some leeway here to look at the first two chapters of Acts to kind of paint the picture for where we're going. Okay, so I'm not going to deal with those texts, those verses specifically today. I will highlight them, but we'll get into them uh, starting, Lord willing, um, after Mother's Day. Um, Who knows? Maybe we'll start on Mother's Day. We'll see. But uh, we'll get into those verses. But today is more of an introduction. Father, thank you. Thank you that you're always with us. No matter what, how we feel, what we're going through, where we are, if we are your children, where can we go from your spirit? Where can we flee from your presence? You're always with us. Jesus is called Emmanuel. God with us. And so Lord, we know We who have been sealed by the Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, we know you are present in our lives. And we lean upon you, we lean upon you uh, for those times when we're hurting most and even in times of great joy, we lean upon you to rejoice right (laughs) and not to idolize those things that you give us, but to receive them with joy and gratitude. So, Father, we know you're with us. Thank you that you're with us now in this service. And thank you that you're with me. Thank you for being with Sandy and I as we traveled this past week and sought to serve a family that was grieving. That is grieving. Oh, Lord. Be with the Stone family. Be with us now. Those of us who are grieving, those of us who are hurting, those of us who are perplexed, be with us now. Be with us, those of us who are, Lord, who are just rejoicing. Life is good and providence is good. And we're just, Lord, be with us all. We're all in various places of need and of life. What we do need is Jesus, all of us at all times. And we need the word of the Lord at all times. So will you please grant your servant grace to preach your word under the power of your spirit and according to the scriptures. That Jesus might be glorified, that a message might be given from this, these passages, Lord, that will speak to the hearts of your people. May we see Jesus in all of it, and may we long for what he gives us. May we submit ourselves. Be with us now in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Acts chapter 2, beginning at verse 42. And they devoted themselves Attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. That is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thank you, praise to The church, over the last two years, I would say the last six years, actually, churches in our country have gone through a lot of turmoil, a lot of shifting, some good, in my opinion, most of it bad. But the enemy has just done a number on us. And now we're coming back together. As the pandemic sort of has lessened, even though we're hearing of a new variant here coming through, we don't know what is in store. We know God is with us in the midst of it. But churches are coming back together. They're opening their doors, those that still exist. Some have not weathered the pandemic well. They won't open again. But as we're coming back together, we have to begin to ask the important questions. What should the church look like? What's our purpose? What's our our vision? What's our mission? And, and, And when we talk about mission and vision, too often we forget that God hasn't left that up to us to figure out. He tells us what his vision and mission for his church is. Now, we get to say, Lord, help us to show that in our local context, which are different. But God doesn't leave that up to us to figure out the mission and vision of his church. He does, always has. He shows us what our church should look like. So, all churches, I think, are coming, especially in this country, are kind of reevaluating and thinking through. I'm talking to pastors in different parts of the country who've all been through the storms. They're saying, what should things look? Some pastors are moving on, leaving the ministry. A friend of mine is now planting a church. That's leaving history to go plant. Things are changing. But what should the church look like? I'm, I'm struck some years ago, reading about this situation where a pastor was teaching a Bible study and eight hours later, he was just finishing up. For the next 10 days, he spent 12 hours a day teaching through the entire Bible. All of this was not what he had planned. It was the congregation that said, we want this. That pastor was David Platt, and he did this in an underground church in Asia some years ago before the pandemic. He experienced what I think is revival. Revival. Revival is when the sovereign spirit of God comes upon the church in an extraordinary manner to increase the church's holiness and usefulness for the honor of Jesus. In revival, Christ's presence is powerfully felt among his people as he has his way. And then that spills out from the church into the community and communities are changed. Historically, cities have been changed, even nations. It's dramatic. It doesn't have to be, it could happen to one church. It could happen to a group of churches. But when the Spirit comes with power, we become, as one writer described revival, we become a people saturated with God. I mention this because in my studies, I am convinced that when God sends revival, he moves the church in the direction of the passage I just read to you. Not everything, but in that direction. We need the Spirit to fill our churches Because only then can we become devoted to the priorities of the Spirit and be a true fellowship of the Spirit. We need our fellowship to be strengthened. And so this morning, I just want to say one thing. The Spirit of the kingdom is the hope of the church. It's our only real help. So be, before diving into this passage, like I said, I want to give an overview. I want to look at what leads up to it. And that's important. So that's, first of all, why, why did the Spirit do this? What is, what's happening here in Acts chapter 2? Notice the context. You know the story. This is, this is the, the, the immediate result of the preaching of the gospel after the resurrection and ascension of Christ. It happens on the day of Pentecost. That's important because we just celebrated Easter. Easter always comes at the time of year known as Passover. It's a Jewish holiday. I'm sure you're familiar with that. You saw the movie, to Ten Commandments, you know, when the, the lamb is slaughtered and, and the blood is put on the doorposts. Uh, during the time of the Egyptian bondage of the nation of Israel. And, and, and the death angel flows through uh, the land and s- strikes down the firstborn of all the Egyptian children because Pharaoh would not let the people of God go. And the death angel passed over the homes that had the blood, a sacrifice had been made, the blood upon the doorposts. Well, 50 days, Pentecost, 50 days after that comes the day of Pentecost, another Jewish holiday. And it celebrates the goodness of God and the cycle of the seasons and the fruitfulness of the earth. It was on that day of Pentecost, after Jesus had been crucified, resurrected, and ascended, 50 days later, here we are. On this great day, and the Apostle Peter preaches the greatest sermon of this life. Hmm. He begins the sermon in verse 18 and ends it in verse 40. The result of that preaching is verse 41. I hope you have your Bibles. It's verse 41. It says, "So those who received his word were baptized, and they were at and there were added that day about three thousand souls." So to the band of disciples that were left, and it was more than the 11. Remember, Jesus is dead. He killed himself. The 11, but there were more. Mary is there and other disciples. How many? I don't really know. But there was a group of people there, and they are waiting. Jesus told them to stay put, and they're waiting. And now the day of Pentecost has come, and now 3,000 more believers are added to their band. You see, when people are saved, this is what receiving his word means when they say he received their word, his word they were saved and then they were baptized and became part of the church how they expressed this how did they express becoming part of the church they joined the local church there they became part of the church of Jerusalem and they stayed all those pilgrims who had come from all, apart, all around the, the, the Roman world they had come to, for Pentecost and now they won't go home they stayed many of them stayed in Jerusalem. Instant megachurch, 3,000 souls. Because the Holy Spirit came upon the first disciples of Jesus and in their obedience to him, to bear witness to him, boom! The church, the New Testament church is born powerfully. So three points basically. First of all, The Spirit comes as a result of a divine kingdom promise. Keep in mind, the book of Acts is part two. Luke, the gospel is part one. Luke, uh, uh, he, he wrote two books. One gospel, one historic history of the church's expansion. So the book of Acts essentially ends with the scene that ended the gospel, the ascension of Christ. The Acts shows that Jesus had two great priorities. As, he's, as the risen Christ is t- hanging out with his disciples, he has two great priorities he wants to address with his disciples. Acts chapter 1, just turn the page, verse 3. The Bible says, he presented himself alive to them after his, after his suffering by many, note this word, proofs, appearing to them during 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So over for over a month, the risen Savior met with them. We see some of those meetings recorded for us at the end of the Gospels. He's meeting with them for 40 days, and he wants them to be clear about one thing first, that he's alive. He, he ate with them. He, he, he let them touch him. Remember Thomas touching the wounds inside? He wanted the, to be clear that I am alive Bodily, I'm not a spirit, I'm not a hallucination, I am a human being and more and much more. And I'm alive, so he eats with them and he's there with them. And then he begins to teach, driving home what he wants them to know. He talks about the presence, the purpose, and the power of his kingdom. The kingdom of God. What is the kingdom of God? It's the reign of God over all of creation, but it's being expressed particularly in relationship to the King who is Jesus. And so the church is not the kingdom, the kingdom is bigger than the church, but the church is the visible, the first visible expression of the reality of the reign of God in Jesus Christ. But the disciples weren't thinking about that. They were thinking about what's in it for us. They were thinking about what is the kingdom of God in relation to Israel. Because for them, Israel was the kingdom of God. Their vision of the kingdom was too small. Like, some people are so fixated on America, and we think that, and, and you talk to some people, you think America was the center of the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, that's really too small. Yeah. 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 To them, the coming of the kingdom, if you go back to one, chapter 1, verse 6, you hear them asking a the question. To them, the coming of the kingdom meant the nation of Israel would rise once again and be the queen of the nations. They wanted wanted something that was really important. They wanted freedom. They wanted freedom. That's not bad. But Jesus says to them, basically, it's none of your business. If you look at verse 6, I mean, chapter 1, I mean, he's like, and they say, Lord, when would this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He says, verse 7, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. In other words, none of your business Kevin Smith translation none of your business but instead focus on something else he wants them to focus on the the bigger vision of the kingdom of God coming with power that's why he taught them to pray our father in heaven hallowed be thy name what do you say Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. He had taught them to pray this way because that's the issue. Not the kingdom of man, not the kingdom of people, but the kingdom of God in his reign. Hmm. And so Jesus is getting them prepared. So in chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, he says to them, "Um, don't leave Jerusalem. Wait for the promise of the Father, which you have heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So he says, listen, I got something for you. The promise of the kingdom. This is the divine, this is the promise of the Spirit. You are going to have an, an endowment, an, an empowerment that would help you live in this fallen world to be my people. You need The promise of the Spirit. It's the same Spirit. If you were to go back to Ezekiel 37, don't turn there, just check it out for yourself. You know the passage. It's the passage of the dry bones. Where where Ezekiel, where God says, Ezekiel, look at these dry bones. He's like, he says, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? Well, it's a valley of dry bones, meaning they're dead people, skeletons. They're skeletons. And Ezekiel says, oh, Lord, you know, (laughs) because I sure don't. And then what did he say to him? Preach to the dry bones. Prophesy, preach to the dry bones. Preach my word. And when Ezekiel started preaching the word of God, then the the bones stood up. They came together, the skeletons formed up together. Here you got skeletons standing up there. And then he said, oh, Ezekiel, call for the spirit. And the Spirit of God flowed through and life came in, flesh sinew. Go back and read it. It's a powerful passage. And, and so th- this, and there's a great army is formed, the army of God not to wage war with guns and swords or whatever but to be a spiritual army endued with his presence and power. Family. The acts We are that army. It was the dry, it began with the dry bones of the house of Israel. They're falling away from the truth and God revived a remnant of them that they might become his army and we are part of that army. He promised. Jesus had promised. Even in John 16, he says, I I tell you the truth, it is to you advantage vanished that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Who is the helper he's talking about? He's talking about the Spirit of God. I mean, the Spirit of God, the promised Spirit of God comes. He will empower. He will convict. Hmm. He will convict the world. He will help. He will cause people to see their sin and that judgment is coming. But they will also cause them to believe in the good news that God saves sinners, has mercy upon us. Christ promised supernatural reinforcements to his disciples. And here, on the day of Pentecost, the reinforcements come. The second thing is the Spirit comes with power so we can bear witness to Jesus. Notice Acts 1.8. But you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The word... For power, you've heard this before, dunamis, we get our word dynamite from it. Power means ability. You will be enabled when the Spirit comes. You, you, in other words, you, can't, you couldn't do it before, he told, he's telling them. You couldn't be faithful to bear witness before, but when I send my presence, the Spirit of God, when I send spiritual reinforcements, now you will be able to bear witness for me. It's striking that the word witness is where we get our word martyr from. They would bear witness with their very lives. They would lose their lives and bear witness to Jesus. Some still do today in different parts of the world. We may not lose our lives like that, but to follow Jesus is to lose your life to him, to give your life to him, to deny yourself and take up your cross and follow him. That's discipleship. And it's when the Spirit comes that the Spirit enables us to bear witness, to be that witness for Jesus. It's serious. It's serious. You say, but Pastor Kevin, the Spirit has come. We have the Spirit of God. Yes! Hallelujah. And it doesn't mean we say hallelujah and praise God all the time. We have the Spirit. We have the presence of God. But, but are we bearing witness? It's hard to bear witness sometimes. I think it was harder for them, actually, and for people like them who, when they bear witness, they get... We're not there. Thank you, Lord. We're not there. But man, we still find it difficult, don't we, to bear witness to Jesus? Because the, the pressure, even though it's not fatal, the pressure is still there to be quiet. We have our own insecurities in our hearts. We have our own fears and, and dealing with our own stuff. We we it's hard to sometimes open your mouth. You gotta, that's between you and G. I don't know what your motivation and what keeps you back, if anything keeps you back. Some of us have the gift of evangelism. We can witness to anybody. I mean, I've seen people witness to people. I mean, I'm just saying, are you kidding me? This is not the time. The cop that's giving you a ticket woman <laughs> and my, my, my mother-in-law witness to the cop. but we struggle. We need help to bear witness to Jesus. We need help. We, we need God to do some kind of surgery going on inside something is going on in us that keeps us from opening our mouths. And people right now are hurting so badly. I mean, you can talk to they want hope. And we have the hope. But it's hard. For whatever reason. The spirit wants to, he's there to help you deal with whatever it is that's holding you back. Will you give that? Will you bring that to him? Will you talk to him about what it is that keeps your mouth shut, when the, sometimes people will say things that will just say they just cry out, they just they just a lob. I call it a lob. Just tell me about Jesus, and we can't. We just our mouths just. What happens? What's going on there? The Lord can help us with that. I've experienced it. Let's be honest. God helps me. Believe me, I need help. I was talking to a man just the other day, a couple of weeks ago. I'd been wanting to, I was praying about Lord. He's kind of a neighbor. He goes in and out across the street from me. I said, Lord, please, I want to talk to this guy. He had told me he was hurting and didn't know what to do with his life. Lob. But I was busy. I, I couldn't really talk. And I had to say, I get, and been months have gone by and I not followed up with this dear brother. So, so I, I finally, he showed up! And I had a chance that we shared phone numbers and I just told him, to listen, that emptiness you feel in your life is because God hasn't filled it for you. And he didn't cut my head off. He didn't punch me in the face. He just said, You're right. I said, can we talk some more about this? Because he was on his way out the door. So he gave me his number. So he and I are getting together to talk about Jesus. Family, I'm just saying, if he did it for me, he'll do the same for you. Listen, we all got the same issues, most of us. It's not easy to talk about Jesus in a culture that doesn't want to hear him. But listen, there are people out there who do want to hear. We just got to be willing but more than that, we need the Spirit yeah. Yeah. to help us. We must pray for help. Pray for help. And the last thing I want to say is that the Spirit also gives us kingdom priorities. This is number three. You get the you get the first two. I hope first two. Remember, uh, let me go back. I got, I got, make sure I got the wording right, so I won't confuse you. The Spirit comes as a result of a divine kingdom promise. Remember that one? The Spirit then comes to bear witness to Jesus. And now we come to the last one, which is a summary. The Spirit comes to give us kingdom priorities. And that's verse 42. That gets played out through the rest of the passage and throughout the, the first 10 chapters or so of the book of Acts. Notice what the Spirit does And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and the prayers. Notice the article is in all of them. We'll talk about that as we go along. When the Spirit of God makes the church alive, that church experiences widespread devotion to the Spirit's priorities. Remember, I told you in the beginning about David Platt and the people were so hungry for the word of God that they couldn't, they just said, keep teaching. Don't stop. Eight hours a day, he's teaching the word of God. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. It woke up in them a, a hunger for the word of God. The word devoted there has the idea of doing something with intense effort, with the possible implication, despite difficulty. Intense effort, but it's hard. That's what happens when the Spirit comes. He he says, we are devoted. We will not give up on these four great priorities that God has set for his church. And you're gonna see later, something else happens. They're devoted to the teaching, to the fellowship, Note that word fellowship. We come back to it. To the breaking of bread, that's the Lord's Supper, and to the prayers. Prayers. All of these become hugely important for the church. And what happens as, you, as we were to go down through the passage is the, church, the fellowship grows. The people of God share this great love and devotion to each other and to the church, to the body. And what happens there is that God begins doing stuff that no one can explain other than that God did it. Miracles, powerful, enc- power encounters, if you want to call it, whatever. God reveals himself in powerful ways in the, in the church. You can't com- command miracles. God does that. What, he does what he wants to do. But I want you to end, see how this ends. Verse 47 praising God, having favor with all the people. We'll come back to why later. And then the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added. When when they began to bear witness to the Lord and the power of his spirit, the spirit of God saved people. They didn't do it. They couldn't answer all their questions. They couldn't, they couldn't answer everything. They had, they had answers to some of their questions, but that wasn't the point. They had the gospel, and they had the power and presence of the Spirit, and they were willing. They were yielding themselves to God, and God began to do what no one else can do. He saves. And he just didn't save people out there. He added to the church. He brought them into the body so those people could be discipled grow and have a community of grace surrounding and encourage them. That's the picture. And read through the book of Acts. Go over to, This week, if you get a chance, read those first ten chapters. Well, I Read the whole thing. But notice, this is the church in Jerusalem. We know more about this church than most churches in the New Testament, so Ephesus is probably second. You follow what's happening there. It's not a perfect church. This church has Ananias and Sapphira. This church has cultural, what's the word I want to use? Uh, Dysfunction. (laughs) Prejudice, cultural prejudice. I mean, this church is not perfect. But man, it was the place of the Spirit. So I'm so excited when the ladies were praying yesterday. We were praying for the Spirit of God. That's who we that's who we need. We need him desperately because listen, our bones are a little dry. We're not dead, don't get me wrong. We're alive, we're the people of God. We have the spirit of God, but our bones are a little dry. I know minds are dry and tired and weary heartbroken, whatever it is you're going through, hurting. We need the Spirit to manifest himself among us, to renew our fellowship even stronger, and to renew our sense of God's vision and purpose for his church and for this church in this place. And if you're listening, wherever your church is, you need the same thing him and if you study revival you'll know historically speaking revival always comes after God moves his people to pray it's always prayer first it seems at least in the west prayer before he comes with power he's still the same God so let me ask you some questions in this real quick Search your hearts. Are the Spirit's priorities really your priorities? You say, Well, how do I know? Where do you spend your time, your talent, and your treasure? I know how do you spend your money? What do you dream about? Where's your imagination? You'll know what's your pro- whatever you dream about and imagine. That's where that's your those are your priorities. What do you love most? What gets you going? Those are the things you love most. Are the Spirit's priorities anywhere in that list? Will you pray? Will you pray for yourself? Will you pray for your church? Will you pray? That's how they began, Acts one fourteen. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer. That was what they were doing when the Spirit of God fell upon them in power. When you pray for the Spirit to fill our church and to fill your family, when you do that, when you pray for the Spirit to fill your own heart and deal with whatever idolatries or confusions or pain or or lack of faith, whatever it is, it's all kinds of things, ask Him to deal with what's going on inside of you so that we together, so that you can be free, and we together can be free to seek the Spirit's priorities for his church, for our lives, so Jesus might be glorified even more in New City Fellowship. What is our vision? We could talk more about that. Look at this passage. That's my vision. That's what I'm praying for a new city in this place. Father, help us. Blessed be your name. Will you please come and visit us with the power of your spirit? Will you please come and revive? We're not dead, but Lord, we're a little dry. Will you, will you water us with your spirit? Help us, Lord. We want to be your people. We want to exist for your glory. We want to make Jesus known in word and in deed. Help us. In Jesus' name, amen.